0: Let's take our Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 8 this morning. Romans chapter 8, just couldn't leave this alone. Sure enjoyed celebrating Thanksgiving this year and uh, enjoying and thinking of all of God's goodness to us. I think God has used a lot of the things this year to remind us of how much He loves and cares for us. when everything's good and things are easy and life is our favorite word this year, life is normal, uh, we tend to begin to trust in ourselves. And I think this year has been a good year to remind us that we trust in the Lord. We were reminded, even in a testimony Sunday night, about how God reminds us of His provision when He takes away what is normal and what is expected, We learned about that from the life of Elijah several weeks ago. And uh, God reminds us of His power and His protection, His provision in our lives by taking away those things that we take for granted and we don't think of as coming from Him, even though in reality everything that we have comes from the Lord. So thankful for that. We can be truly thankful because God gives us every good gift. Every good gift comes from God and even the bad things or things we would call as bad things, God works those in our lives to produce good works, to draw us closer to Himself and to complete the plan that He has for us in our lives. Even today as we look forward, I hope you're looking forward towards Christmas and all of the special times to come and we're enjoying the decorations here and Starting next week, I'm sure we'll be singing, or this week even, singing lots of Christmas carols and all those wonderful things that we enjoy. Our Christmas Eve candlelight service on the 24th and looking forward to beautiful music and candlelight and scripture reading and thinking about that. Our children's Christmas program coming up in a couple of weeks. We're doing that two nights, the 12th and the 13th, so we'll have some tickets for you next week. We're not selling them to you, just using them to make sure we have plenty of seating in our two services there's gonna be lots of fun things as a church and there'll be probably things you're looking forward to in your individual life maybe you're looking forward to some time off work or a vacation or just being home for a day and uh, not running and going hard all the time Uh, we've enjoyed all of these things but as as we go through this i hope that these things this stuff you know the decorations the activities the events Don't distract us from God's goodness, but rather they remind us of God's goodness and God's faithfulness to us and His fulfillment of His promises to us. This fall in our services here in the preaching, we've focused on our faith foundations, where our faith is rooted and what it's built upon. We've considered God's power. We've considered His faithfulness to us how he worked even in the life of Job and how he was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, even in the burning fiery furnace, and that even when God allows thorns in our life, that He uses those for His glory for us. We studied through a bunch of the life of Elijah and of God's work in building him and growing his faith. I'm thankful to focus on these foundations Because Christ truly is the only foundation that cannot be shaken, that cannot be stirred, that cannot be broken, that can never pass away. In this time of year when normally we would be enjoying certain activities and events, there may be some who are unable to enjoy what they would normally enjoy or look forward to, perhaps due to financial challenges, health issues, concerns, uh, divide in our world has made 2020 not what you would have liked. And as we finish out this year, we've got one month left. Hard to believe that. We're in the final month. This, in some ways, to me, this year has gone very fast. And in other ways, the year's gone very slow. It's been you know, one of those strange years. And as we look forward to 2021, I think we have to be honest and say, well, things may not get better. The, the problem's may continue there is much frustration still in our world over the differences in of what we believe of truth and morality and and justice and what is right and what is wrong there is much divide in our world over how to handle a virus and should you take this vaccine or not take this vaccine or should you put on a mask or not put on a mask should you stay home or should you go out There's all kinds of confusion, there's all kinds of divide, there's all kinds of problems. I was reading even this week that drug overdoses and suicides are at an all-time high, that divorce attorneys have more work than they've ever had before. Our world is in crisis and it is in problem. The answer as a believer is not to just ignore and act like these things don't exist. The answer is not just to put our head in the sand, so to speak, and just hope that it all goes away. But rather, as a believer, we must live in the reality of Christ's love for us. We must be rooted and built upon His firm foundation and in God's work for us. Last week, we looked at the question in verse 34 of Romans chapter 8. The question that says this, Who is He that condemneth so we'll see if you were paying attention you're going to answer the question i'm going to ask it you answer it who is he that condemneth all right one person knows let's try again let's try again who is he that condemneth three people answered all right let's try again we're gonna we're gonna wake up this morning help me out okay who is he that condemneth all right we're halfway there i don't know it's a tough crowd. Too much turkey this week. They do say that the chemicals in the turkey makes you sleepy, so, but there was no turkey in those kolaches. I checked this morning. I didn't, it wasn't even turkey sausage. All right, let's try one more time. Nice and strong, like you really believe it, like you mean it this morning. Who is he that condemneth? No. All right, good. Thank you. Whew. Glad I'm not preaching to myself today. Okay. I need to preach to myself today, but glad I'm not the only one. Why? why do we know that no one condemns? Well, we learned four reasons last week. First of all, Jesus Christ died for us. No one can condemn you if you're in Christ because Christ died for you. He died for your sin. The second thing we looked at of why we know that no one can condemn us if we're in Christ is because Christ is risen again. He didn't stay dead. He rose again on the third day. The third reason we looked at last week why we know that no one can condemn us if we're in Christ is that Christ is now seated at the right hand of the Father. We talked about that place of acceptance, that place of power next to the right hand of God the Father. And the fourth and final reason that we talked about last week that we know that no one can condemn us if we're in Christ is because Christ is now making intercession for us. His blood is being pled on our behalf. He applied His work to you and to me to pay for our sin. That was a great question, and you got it four tries later. But you got it. Good answer. No one can condemn us. But I want us to look at one more question this morning that Paul gives here at the end of Romans chapter 8. This is a question probably most of you have read. I'm sure these are verses that you may even go back to from time to time. I will tell you, it is a challenge to preach through familiar passages of Scripture. Because we tend to read them, we know them, that's good, let's go home now. But I want us to take time to examine this last question that Paul has for us in Romans chapter 8. Let's read just the question together in verse 35. It says this, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So last week the question was this, Who is he that condemneth? The answer is no one. This week the question is, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? That's the question in its nugget form, but he adds to it, right? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Paul here lists seven different hardships or struggles difficulties that could take place in your life as things that could potentially separate us from the love of Christ. Or he, he's putting them out as options. Does tribulation separate us from the love of Christ? How about peril? How about the sword? How about nakedness, famine? Do these things separate us from the love of Christ? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? The answer to this question is just as clear as the answer to the question that we looked at last week. We know that no one can condemn us in the court of heaven, no matter who they are. So too, we know that no one and nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Before we go any further this morning, I want to take some time to define for us what is the love of Christ of Christ what is the love of Christ well to try to define the love of Christ in a few words I think would be impossible but let's go to the word of God and look at a few I'm going to give you five or six verses of scripture to help us in our thinking so that we can remind ourselves what is the love of Christ Ephesians 3 verse 19 and there are many other verses we could pick but I'm going to give you five of them this morning Ephesians 3.19, it says, And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. It says to know the love of Christ is, passes knowledge. It's beyond comprehension. I'm thankful for the love of Christ that is so great, that is so large, that is so vast that we can't fully comprehend it. It says, it passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. John 15, 13 describes the love of Christ this way. It says, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. We see the love of Christ as it's demonstrated for us in His death on the cross. Romans 5, 8 continues on that theme. It says, but God commendeth His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What is the love of Christ? How can we, how can we define the love of Christ? Well, I like what 1 John 4.10 says, herein is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins he sent his son to pay for our sin love is not defined by what you and i do for god love is defined the love of christ is defined by what christ has done for us so the love of christ here in romans chapter 8 that we cannot be separated from this is not us being separated in our love for christ it is that christ's love can never be separated from us because your love and my love waxes and wanes. But Christ's love never changes. So the love of Christ is the love that Christ has for us. I love how, how uh, 1 John 4, 8 says it this way. He that loveth not knoweth not God, God because God is love. God is love. John Wesley is him hymn. Love divine, all loves excelling. Define the love of God this way. He said, Jesus, thou art all compassion, pure, unbounded love thou art. I'm so thankful for the love of Christ. The love of Christ that passes all understanding. The love of Christ that was demonstrated in his death on the cross for us. The love of Christ that truly helps to define and helps us to understand who God is, because God is love. As we look at the love of Christ this morning and the truth that nothing can separate us from this love, I want you to notice, first of all, that the love of Christ is personal. It's a personal love. It's not just a general love. This is a a specific kind of love. Now, God does have Love for the whole world. John 3.16 tells us that. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. But there are some in the world who will stand before God in judgment someday. And God will cast them into eternal darkness and separation from Him in a place called hell. But see, the love here that's spoken of in Romans chapter 8 is a love that we can never be separated from because it's a specific love. It is a love for His children, those who have trusted in Him as their personal Savior. Romans 8 is speaking to believers. And we see that, that particular nature of His love or the personal nature of His love even in the question, Who shall separate us? Who is the us that he's talking about? He's speaking of believers. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And then he gives us this list of hardships, difficulties, things that might separate us from his love. Now, I want to try something this morning. It's a little out of the ordinary, but hey, It's the last Sunday in November. It's the fifth Sunday of the month. We only have, what, four more Sundays in 2020, so we can be a little bit different today. I want to illustrate something in verse 35 that I hope will help you understand what we're talking about. So, I need a husband and wife volunteer. You're not going to have to say anything. You're just going to have to stand. Trevor, you're not married, so put your hand down. Don't worry, you won't have to do anything embarrassing. You're just really going to stand up here. So, uh, Rose has been volunteered by Sylvia. I think we have a few married people here this morning. All right, anybody at all? Nobody wants to volunteer? I'll pick somebody. Marie's coming. Look at her, she's she's already coming. All right, Matt. Making the new folks do this. All right, Matt, I need you to come over here and stand on this side of the stage. I'm going to separate you from your wife briefly and Marie I want you to come over here by the Christmas tree okay all right so we're going to demonstrate what it's like that the love of Christ and nothing can separate us from his love so we're going to let you demonstrate the love of Christ we know that you're not God or anything but but you're going to illustrate the love of us you're going to illustrate all of us and that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ and he gives here in this verse seven different things So I need seven more people. Okay, so I'm going to pick seven more people. I I, I can pick some, let's get seven teenagers. I think we've got seven teenagers in here this morning. So One, two, three, four, five, six. Where's my seventh? Is Gabriel in here? Oh, Jonathan. Yeah, come on up. All right. So if your last name's Ngoga, Hein, Cover, or DeBlanc, come on up here. So these are going to be all the hardships. I thought teenagers would help us represent (laughs) the hardships this morning. This is the rough part, okay? All right, so what's our first hardship? What is in your verse there? Tribulation. Trevor, you get to be tribulation. All right, since your name starts with a T, you get to be tribulation. What's our next one? Distress. Thomas, you can be distress. All right, what's our next one? Persecute. Oh, I'm sorry, Gracie, you have to be persecution. All right, what's our next one? Famine. All right. Screw down, boys. Kezia gets to be famine. Jonathan. Who's Jonathan this morning? Nakedness. That's a rough one. All right. What's the next one? Peril. All right. Grant gets to be the sword. Everybody, you know. Although, if you think about it, this is the toughest one because this is the one where you die, okay? All right. So, we look at all these hardships. And often, if we're in... On Marie's side of things, this is where we live, right? We live over here. And and we sometimes view the love of Christ as being way over there. And we think, how am I ever going to get from here to there? Because I got all this stuff in the way. Got sword, peril. Tell us who you are. Nakedness. Nakedness. (laughs) Famine. Persecution. persecution, Tribulation or distress and And tribulation so it's impossible for me to get to Christ because I've got all this stuff in the way I got all this mess in life I want to make a couple points about these seven different things tribulation and distress Paul uses these words three different times together in his letters they often come together because tribulation refers to the outward stress and the outward hardship that comes upon us in life whereas distress refers to that inner struggle that we have. could be that inner mental pain or physical stress that we face. So often we have problems that come from outside and we have problems that come from inside. We have tribulation and we have distress. Then persecution, the the Christians in the New Testament were no strangers to persecution. Just like the Jews in the Old Testament were no strangers to persecution they face great persecution for their faith in Christ. And sometimes we look at persecution and we say, that's going to keep us from the love of Christ. We're not going to be able to experience it. Or maybe we look at famine. Well, we may say, well, we haven't experienced that here. People in many places around the world have. What do I do if I don't have enough to eat? What do I do if I don't have enough to wear? That's when things are really getting hard. This is financial and physical pain and suffering. All of these are very real hardships in our life. Then we have peril. That's just imminent danger. Some people feel like they're living in imminent danger all the time, or even the sword. And so when we're here on Marie's side of things, and this is where we all live. That's what I want you to picture this morning. We all live here. And, And we see all of that. And sometimes we may try to move this direction but all these things feel like they're keeping us or separating us from the love of christ but what we have to understand about the love of christ is it's not about us trying to run all the way to god because all of this separates us from the love of christ the love of christ remember is about what christ did for us so it's about god who's more powerful than all these things coming to us so He comes through all of this, all the hardship, all the distress, all of the pain, all of the suffering, and the love of Christ comes to us. It's not us that can always get to the love of Christ. And that's why nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. It's not that these things are not real. Because sometimes in our life we have this mixed up view in Christianity, and even unsaved people think this about Christians, well if you're a Christian then you shouldn't have any problems. Sometimes Christians tend to just get stuck on that. Like, well, I believed in God. I'm trusting Him. I'm trying to do right. Why am I having all this hardship? I didn't have seven teenagers. No. (laughs) Why do I have all this struggle? Following Christ does not mean we have no more hardship. It doesn't mean we have no more pain. It doesn't mean these things are not real. These are very real things. But what it does mean is that with Christ... He can overcome all of these things, not to necessarily remove them all of our, out of our lives, but to be with us no matter what comes. So the love of Christ comes to us. So if, if Marie now is going with the love of Christ and she goes through the sword or through persecution, through famine, through nakedness, through peril, through distress or tribulation, the love of Christ is with her no matter what takes place. I know this took a lot of people to illustrate this, but I hope this kind of helps you picture what the love of Christ does for us. Let's give all these folks a hand. Thanks for helping us. You can go be seated. All right. I didn't have this many teenagers to demonstrate all the tribulation in the first service. So thank you, teens, for letting me put you on the spot and helping us to understand that. So the question is here, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And the answer is... No one and nothing. I want you to notice, though, that this hardship, when we go through it, when we're over here, like where Marie was, and we look at all that, it can tend to bring physical separation, can't it? Not between us and Christ, but between us and other people. This year, because of things that have taken place outside of our control, There's been a lot of physical separation for people. We know it as social distancing, right? And it's a reality that's been very painful. Some who've not been able to be with their elderly family members. People who've been stuck in their homes and not able to get out. Children who haven't been able to be in school with their classmates. It's a real thing. Hardship is a real thing and it brings real physical separation. And that's why as a believer, we need the love of Christ. Christ because it is what encourages us and gives us strength and comforts us and motivates us and even gives us purpose. I read a story this week of one person who decided life wasn't worth living anymore. It was an elderly individual who had been through one long, months-long quarantine, and they were getting ready to lock him down again in her assisted living place, and she said, this isn't worth living, and she was done. We said, that's awful, that's sad. See, that's, that's the reality, though, that all of us face in life without the love of Christ. Life is too hard to live without Christ. Life is impossible without Christ. And even as a believer, we can tend to believe the lies because we see all the realities around us, and we say, this is too hard, there's too much separation, it's difficult. But nothing can separate you from the love of of Christ. Hardship brings physical separation. And I think this is important to understand as well. Verse 36 makes it very clear. Hardship should never be a surprise to the believer. Look at verse 36 in Romans 8. He says, As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Here Paul is quoting from Psalm forty-four twenty-two 22 in the Old Testament. He calls us like sheep being slaughtered, being killed all the day long. As a Christian, that almost seems like an interesting verse to put right here in the middle of this wonderful passage on the love of Christ. Oh, and by the way, Christians get killed all day long. That's basically what he's saying. Why does he say this? Because the reality is hardship is very real and present even in the life of a believer even to the place of a sword. Now, God is blessed. God is uniquely provided for us. And for most people in this country, we haven't experienced a lot of these things. But these things should not come as a surprise. Rather, I think as a Christian, we have to realize these things ought to be expected. In fact, the Apostle Paul himself As he wrote about these seven things, he didn't write about them just under inspiration, even though we know he was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this. He also wrote about these things through personal experience. At the time of his writing of the book of Romans, Paul had personally experienced at least six of these seven items. And we know from history that he later was killed for his faith. I want you to look with me over at 2nd Corinthians chapter 11 because Paul writes about this here and this was written prior to when he penned these words to the Christians there in Romans. 2nd Corinthians chapter 11 verse 23 says, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. He's speaking of the great hardship that he's gone through as a minister of Jesus Christ. He says, In labors, more abundant. In stripes, That was when he was beaten. Stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent. (laughs) Even that statement to me, it's like, in prisons more frequent. That means he was in them more often. In other words, it happened more than once, right? For us, if we went to prison once for doing what God wanted us to do, we'd think that was hard, and it would be. But for Paul, it was just, I've done it more frequently than everybody else. That was kind of a normal part of Paul's ministry life. He had a prison ministry all the time but he was the one locked up. But praise the Lord, he kept ministering even when he was in the prison. He says, in deaths oft of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes save one. So he's beaten 39 times, five different times. Thrice, he says, was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. That's a lot of shipwrecks. You didn't, it wasn't a good idea to be on a ship with Paul. <laughs> if Paul said to you, hey, we're going to go fishing on Lake Conroe, you'd probably like, no, Paul, you can go. I'll stay here. Paul, Paul said, I, I've been there, done that three times. A night and a day I've been in the deep in journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. Everywhere he went, there was trouble, there was hardship, there was difficulty. He says here, in weariness, in painfulness, in watchings often, lots of sleepless nights. Hunger and thirst and fastings, often in cold and nakedness. Beside those things that are without, those are the outside pressures and hardships of life. He says, That which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. You say, Wow, we need to really pray for our pastor because Paul put caring for the church up there with being stoned and beaten and put in prison and everything else. I didn't realize it was that hard, but I'm thankful I don't think it is here. But Paul was ministering to some tough people. Read 1 Corinthians. Read Galatians. They didn't even want to accept his apostleship and his gospel anymore. In, In Corinth, they were fighting over who they wanted to hear preach and who they were followers of. He said, who is weak and I, and I am not weak? Who is offended and I burn not? Paul said, I, I've been through all of these things. Paul understood what, what he was writing when he said, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. In fact, these difficulties... These hardships, the Bible teaches us that God uses these to bring us closer to Himself. Matthew chapter 5, verse 10 says this, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted the prophets which were before you hardship should come as no surprise to the believer rather it ought to help us to refocus our eyes on the Lord and be reminded that we have a great opportunity to demonstrate to all the world that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Isn't it amazing to think about that during the time when this would have been written in Romans and these other New Testament books, these early Christians were going through tremendous persecution for their faith. And yet, as we read, it seems like people were continuing to be saved and continuing to be added to the church all the time. Why would people want to join up with a group of people that are being persecuted all the time? Why do you want to be with Paul? He gets shipwrecked all the time. He gets beaten all the time. He gets stoned. That would be the person we'd say, I want to have as much distance from them as possible. And yet that's not what was taking place during this time. Sure, there were those that rejected, but there were many who trusted in Christ, many that followed on, because the reality is this, whether or not you follow Christ... You will have hardship. The answer is not, how do I get out of hardship? That's not the question that we have to deal with. Rather, it's, how am I going to get through it? I can try to do it on my own, or I can do it with Christ. And there's only one way that's possible, and that's through Christ. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. See, this doesn't tell us that, well, well, we just got to kind of just be tough, stick it out. I like what one commentator said, it, Robert Mounts, in his commentary on Romans, he said it this way, Christians are not grim Stoics who manage to muddle through somehow. They are victors who have found from experience that God is ever present in their trials and that the love of Christ will empower them to overcome all obstacles in their lives. That's great truth. That's great encouragement. I'm thankful for the personal love of Christ. He cares for you and He cares for me. He's with us even in the most difficult of circumstances. He was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the middle of the burning, fiery furnace. He is with us. So we looked at that list of seven things, right? All those hardships, all those difficulties. And maybe you ought to take some time this afternoon to write your own list of seven things. I wrote a few ideas down. In 2020, your list might look something like this, shall? Physical sickness, mental and emotional stress. Loss of personal freedoms, lack of food, loss of finances and personal comforts, threats of rioters and looters, or potential loss of life due to fighting and war separate us from the love of Christ? You say, well, I had some other hardships you didn't include. Well, put yours down. Because no matter what comes, there is nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. There are some that would say, well, your past choices... Will separate you from the love of Christ you've done some things that are just so bad and there's no hope for you that's not what the Bible teaches some would say well your background that'll separate you from the love of Christ our world today wants to celebrate everyone's different identity and everybody's background and why well, I'm thankful for all the variety of people that God has brought together The one identity we should be celebrating this morning is our identity in Christ. Because that's the only identity that's really worth celebrating. Because that's the only identity that can never be taken away. And no matter what anybody says, no matter what anybody thinks, it is the love of Christ that overcomes all things and has all power. It is personal and cares for us. Not only is the love of Christ personal, But it is powerful. Look at the next verse. Verse number 37. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. That verse is very important that we get the whole verse together. Because I think sometimes as Christians, we like to quote the first half real quick. Hey, we're more than conquerors. Well, you're not a conqueror, and neither am I, right, in our own strength. But through Him that loved us, we are more than conquerors. We don't conquer in our strength. Just like Marie, if I said, Marie, you got, you got to fight off all seven of those teenagers, she might have done it. These boys, watch out. These boys start to get big, and they look at mom. Moms are tough. They can handle themselves if they have to. But we're going to face things in life that we can't handle. Things that we can't conquer. Things that we can't overcome. But through Christ, we can. Because He's with us. Because He came to us. Not because we went to Him. The love of Christ is powerful. Some have said this, well, true love conquers all. Well, the only true love is the love of Christ, really. It's the only absolute, pure, perfect, completely self-sacrificing love. The love of Christ we see based on these seven things. It's more powerful than any physical power. It's more powerful than tribulation, more powerful than distress, more powerful than peril or famine or nakedness or the sword, any of these things. But it's also more powerful than any spiritual or demonic power. And in verse 38 and 39, really, we have a transition. It starts with the physical, but it moves to more spiritual things. Because there are spiritual or physical hardships that can bring separation in our lives, but Christ's love overcomes all of them. But what about those spiritual hardships? What about the spiritual warfare? I've thought about that a lot this year and maybe you have too as you look around in our world and as you've even lived through the last few months and time together for many believers as I've talked to they said boy I've really spiritual warfare has been a very real thing the devil's fighting hard and for some maybe this has been they've experienced that more this year than ever before And that's why I'm thankful that this passage continues on. It's not just the physical that Christ's love is more powerful than. It's the demonic as well. He gives us ten more things. As if the first seven weren't enough. I love how often in, in His Word the Lord just, when He's talking about His blessings and His provision, He just piles it on. Like like James, when he's talking about wisdom, he says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally. Here he gives us ten more things. He says, verse 38, For I am persuaded, I am absolutely convinced, I am completely sure of this fact, I am persuaded that neither, here they are, death, nor life, nor powers, Nor things present, or I'm sorry, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We have a contrast here death and life. Death seen as a bad thing. Can't separate us from the love of Christ. The Bible tells us, "Fear not, they which kill the body." Not be fearful. Speaking of spiritual death, right? Those that kill the soul, because the body will die, but our soul will live forever. Either with God, or separated from God, in hell. So, death and life angels and principalities the, these beings that God has created to do his work these angels they can't separate us from the love of Christ principalities these fallen angels these demons can't separate us from the love of Christ nor powers any other spiritual force or power any good or evil in this world nothing can separate us from the love of Christ And I love here that at the end of the verse, he adds things present, nor things to come. You say, well, we don't know what's going to happen yet. Well, what's next? Right? There was kind of a joke running this year as more and more things were happening bad, and people said, what's next? Oh, this is going to happen. Oh, then it's going to be, oh, it's terrible. It says, nor things to come. So Christian, instead of being uptight and frustrated and upset and all worried and nervous about what just might happen next, I want to encourage you, even the things to come can't separate you from the love of Christ. And he talks about height and depth. I talked about this at the beginning of the message. When things are normal, that's kind of where we like to live. Height and depth, those are the highs and lows. That's when we attain to a place in life where we feel, man, everything's great and everything's good. I'm really high or really low. A lot of people living there these days, right? Yeah, you know, we've talked about, somebody gave a testimony about this Sunday, just turning the news off and not want to watch it. Why? Because everything's negative. Everything's low. Everything's terrible. I'm so glad I'm not a, a news anchor. That'd be an awful job. So I don't know if they really believe what they're saying or not, because they still, you know, or maybe they just all go and drown their sorrows after work. I don't know how how they're getting through it. It's pretty sad, because everything's negative. Everything's terrible. And you can look around and say, well, what's the point? What are we doing? like the last few weeks we've been putting together plans for the church and in January I'll be giving out a little book and we've got this our kind of vision for the next year and what we're planning, what we're going to do. I was looking through our vision book that we did for 2020 and you know it's been amazing. It hadn't worked out like we thought it would but almost every single goal that we listed in there we've reached this year. Isn't that amazing? You know the path doesn't always look like we think it's going to. But when God wants to fulfill something, He can get it done, and it doesn't matter if it works out our way or not, because what really matters is that it works out His way. I'm so thankful, even as I look around this morning and I think about some that are watching online this morning, there are people that are part of our family now, our church family, that we didn't even know you a few months ago. But now I can't imagine... What it would be like to not have you. Some of you, at the beginning of this year, you didn't even know Christ as your Savior. Some of you, if, if God hadn't allowed all the events that took place in this year to take place, you wouldn't be on your way to heaven today. I, I've made friends this year that I think will probably be friends for the rest of my life. See, height and depth, things present, things to come. Oh, and he tags that last one on the end, nor any other creature. This reminds us that God has made everything. And there's nothing that He's created that can separate us from His love. And He made it all anyway. Because He's all-powerful, He has power over all of His creation. So even if you could come up with something that wasn't included in the list, and you say, Man, well, there's this one thing. He's got you covered. Nor any other creature can't separate us from the love of Christ. Oh, it's so good. We know that the love of Christ is personal. It's powerful, but I want to give you one more. God's love, the love of Christ, is Persistent. We had our people representing the love of Christ, Matt representing the love of Christ, and Marie representing the rest of us over here. Now they're married, they love each other. And we would expect, if a husband was separated from his wife and there was something between them and he's trying to conquer that and get over there, some danger, some, something that was a bad situation, he would do whatever he could to get over there and get her. What we would not expect is for Matt at some point to say, eh, I'm tired, I think I'll just take a break now. If she's in real danger, he's going to do whatever he can to get there. He's going to persist. He's not going to stop. He's just going to keep on coming. That's good if you're Matt and Marie, but the problem with that at some point is there is a level to which Matt won't be able to keep coming because he's a human being. But we serve the King of kings and Lord of lords. Because it's a personal love, because it's a powerful love, it is a persistent love that never stops coming for us. And there's nothing that can stand in its way. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Because it's personal, because it's powerful, and because it's persistent Back in verse 37, you say, well, that sounds like a good point, but where where do you get that? Because we want to point this back to the text. When he says, we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us, it's a little bit challenging to see it in our English translation. But the grammar of of the original languages here are speaking to, it is in the present active form, which means it just keeps on taking place we continue he conquers or we are more than conquerors and we continue to be conquerors through the love that he continues to love us with that's the sense of that verse he loves us and keeps on loving us and keeps on loving us because his love is personal because it's powerful and because it's persistent that's so important because in our human relationships you've probably experienced personal love, somebody that demonstrated love to you. You might have experienced some measure of powerful love, love that was willing to overcome some sort of difficulty. But having personal, powerful, and persistent love is something altogether even more special. Because this is not just powerful love, it's all powerful love. And It's not just persistent to a point. It's persistent and it never stops persisting. Paul is absolutely persuaded. He's absolutely convinced of this truth. Jesus is the promised Messiah. Jesus is the Lord of all creation. And that is the love that never stops. It's the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The love of Christ is persistent. It is overcoming. It is all-conquering. Nothing can separate the believer from the love of Christ. The love of Christ will continue to be tested, but nothing will break His love. Nothing will stand between you and your Savior because your Savior is coming for you. There was a song written probably, I don't know, 40 years ago by a guy named Squire Parsons. and The title of the song is He Came... To me. It says this the gulf that separated me from Christ my Lord. It was so vast, the crossing I could never ford. From where I was to his domain, it seemed so far. I cried, Dear Lord, I cannot come to where you are. And the chorus says, he came to me. He came to me. When I could not come to where he was, he came to me. That's why he died on Calvary. When I couldn't come to where he was, He came to me. He came to me when I was bound in chains of my sin. He came to me when I I could find no peace within. Then he reached down and drew me gently to his side. And today, in his sweet love, I now abide. He came to me. He came to me. When when I couldn't come to where He was, He came to me. That's why He died on Calvary. Oh, when I couldn't come to where He was, He came to me. Romans 8 is full of promises questions and answers Paul is building this logical argument that is very persuasive even in its emotion to help us know of the great love of Christ I love what he says back in verse 18 of this same chapter for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Why is it worth it? Why do we keep walking with the Lord? It's because He came to us, because He continues to walk with us, because His love is personal, because it's powerful and it's persistent. And we can trust that with Him, we have eternal life. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. For I am persuaded that neither life nor death nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Well, I almost think that should be our our daily creed, right? Or our daily purpose statement. As you face those hardships of life, and they are very real, that you could stand up and look yourself in the eye in the mirror and be able to say, I am persuaded. That nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. Are you persuaded of that this morning? You could be here today and you've never accepted the love of Christ. He's coming for you. He he died for you. But you've got to receive Him. Trust in Him. Turn from your sin and turn to the Savior this morning. He loves you. He died for you. He rose again for you. He's at the right hand of the Father. He's making intercession this morning for His children. And He'll make intercession for you if you'll trust in Him. And, Christian, your salvation wasn't just good enough to get you to heaven someday, it's good enough to help you every single day of your life. Living in the reality of Christ's love for us doesn't take all the hardship away doesn't fix all the problems that we go through but rather it gives us confidence to know that he's with us each step of the way and that nothing no one nothing that was ever made nothing in the past nothing in the present and nothing in the future can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus Lord we thank you for the love of Christ Father, this morning, there may be some who just needed a, a reminder. I know for many, of these verses were very familiar verses. But we need to be reminded over and over again of their truth. Thank you for putting them in the pages of Scripture for us. But Lord, I'm thankful that in our church we have people at all different stages of spiritual growth. And maybe for some this morning, this was really the first time they've ever considered this passage of Scripture. I pray that you would encourage them as well and help them as they learn this truth Lord, this is the kind of truth that can be heard, but it's best learned through experience. Thank you. As we read these verses and we considered even the life of Paul, we realized that he experienced these things. And he was still able to say with confidence that nothing could separate him from your love. Lord, it's, it's the experience of hardship that we don't look forward to. It's the experience of hardship that leaves us struggling in, in, in our area of gratitude and thankfulness and it causes us to doubt your presence. Help us as we're convinced through your Holy Spirit of the truth of these words for us today that we would go out in faith and when we struggle, when we falter, even when we fail, we will look back to you and trust in you because you keep on loving us. Lord, that gives me great confidence as a Christian, as a husband, as a dad, as a pastor, to continue to march forward confidently into the future. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, even the rest of today. But I'm trusting in you and I know that you love me. So I can lead confidently in the areas that you've given me because I can trust in you. I pray for each person that hears this message today, that listened this morning. Maybe some will listen later online. That you will show that same truth to them. It's right here in your word. That they can trust you no matter what comes. That you are a God who loves and a God who forgives. We know you're a God who's just and who's holy, and so sin must be dealt with. I'm thankful that you chose to deal with it through the love of Christ and His death for our sin. I pray even as believers we would be challenged to go out and tell others about the good news that Jesus saves. That His love is vast and it's unending and it's available to all. It's already been demonstrated to all through his sending of Christ to die on the cross for our sin. Lord, help us as we continue to go forward that we would honor you in everything we do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.